welcome to the 16th episode of my podcast, Gina's Excellent Encounters. And today with me is Alberto. Hi. Hi, Gina. Hi, everybody. So today we'll be talking about being a foreigner in Russia. But uh, please introduce yourself first. Where you're born, where you're from, and why you in Russia <laughs> or something, I don't know. Sure. So I was born in Treviso in Italy. It's a city not very well known outside of Italy, I guess. Uh, but it's a very nice city, about 40 kilometers from Venice. It has a river. It's a, it has a midi uh, uh, walls from the Middle Ages, but some parts of the city are actually from the Roman times. Mm -hmm. Very nice to see, so come and see it. And um, apart from this um, marketing, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a travel agent. Um, I spent the last uh, 12 years of my life abroad, mm -hmm. uh, about uh, almost 10 in Finland, mm -hmm. working as a software developer, uh, a few years from Nokia and then for Canonical, the company that makes the Ubuntu operating system. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, more recently, I joined LookSoft. But um, the most important part about my my travels is that since um, a couple of years, I'm living in St. Petersburg in Russia. Uh, and uh, I like it. So give me a St. Petersburg pitch like you did with your home <laughs> city. Well, it's very, very easy because I mentioned Venice before mm -hmm. and St. Petersburg is known as Venice of the North. Oh, okay. Uh, because it has a lot of uh, canals. Um, Interesting. Not as many as Venice, I have mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. um, the architecture is um, kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't really remember like how the uh, styles are mm -hmm. called, but I think it might, might be either classical or neoclassical. Okay. And it looks so familiar to, for me at least, because I think uh, one of the main architects who um, actually uh, made most of the buildings are, is uh, Italian. Oh, interesting. And I think other, another one is French. So anyway, it's uh, Europe, European or Southern yeah. European uh, okay. architecture. Oh. So when, when was it built like... Very recently, very okay. recently in the beginning of the 18th century, mm -hmm. so um, 1007, how do you say? 1700. 17, yeah, 1700. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, in, uh, and I believe it was to, uh, to be the forepost against Sweden, actually. Oh. I think so. Oh, because St. Petersburg is like close to the... Uh, Finnish border or how far is it from the Finnish border? Uh, nowadays, I guess it might be about 200 kilometers from okay. the border. So that's really close. Yeah. But it was much closer because oh, before uh, like Finland was actually uh, like mo many territories that are now uh, Russian mm -hmm. uh, were part of Finland and actually uh, even around St. Petersburg there are some villages that have Finnish names. Ah. Interesting. Yeah. Like my wife's parents, they have a dacha. Mm -hmm. It's a, the countryside uh, home, dacha, mm -hmm. uh, which is in a place called Virki. It sounds, <laughs> that it, sounds, it really sounds very Finnish. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. 
Okay, so you mentioned your wife, so I guess you're in Russia because uh, some women folk wanted you there. <laughs> yes, yes, but uh, so we we married. Yes, we married in Russia, but we lived. Uh, we decided that we would live in Finland. Mm -hmm. We lived there for um, a few years, and then both of our kids uh, were born in Finland. Ah, I see. Uh, but then, uh, really like, uh, how to say, uh, nostalgia, is that mm -hmm. an English word as well? Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, so yeah, uh, my wife started to um, feel uh, very nostalgic about mm -hmm. uh, St. Petersburg. Uh, not so, much about Russia, but especially about St. Petersburg. Okay, she is from St. Petersburg. Yes, sorry, yeah, I mentioned to, I forgot to mention that. And uh, the reason is why, is that... Uh, Finland to her, uh, even Helsinki, like the capital, uh, feels very much countryside because she's been living the, her whole life in St. Petersburg. It's uh, five million people. Like, Shit, okay. Like so the we... whole Finland is five million people. <laughs> and uh, like you have so many, uh, not only just uh, cinemas and shopping centers, it's just that there are so many people in the mm. street. Mm. Uh, like it really feels different from uh, uh, from Helsinki, at least. Mm. And uh, she liked Helsinki for in many aspects, mm -hmm. but still she felt that she could never feel really connected. Interesting. Okay. So how did you end up in Helsinki? Uh, just because I wanted to uh, try working abroad mm -hmm. and I got an offer from Nokia. Ah, so okay, okay. So I guess most of the foreigners who came to Finland in the early 2000s, they were there from Nokia, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> okay, okay. And did, did your wife too? Or where did no, you meet? No, we met in couch surfing. Oh, cool. So I was uh, a host. Mm -hmm. And I hosted, uh, first I hosted a friend of hers. And after one month, she came back with uh, my future wife. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a funny story because they stayed only three days and uh, nothing really happened. Mm -hmm. But on the last day, they were really late to catch the bus back home. So, um, yeah, they really ran towards the towards the bus okay. and I didn't really have time to say goodbye so when I came back home I wrote I wrote her a message through the website and said oh I'm sorry that I couldn't say goodbye and it was very nice to host you and she replied and then I wrote again and she replied uh, and I wrote again <laughs> for how long for uh, four months actually and okay. like it was quite clear that we were falling in love by just okay. emails yeah, yeah. And then we uh, we had the chance to visit again, mm -hmm. and then always uh, more often. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, so was it a normal thing for you to host uh, couch surfers? Yes, yes. I mean, I started only when I arrived to Finland. Of yeah. course, yeah. I was uh, kind of lonely in a way. Mm. Uh, not many, not that many friends, if you exclude uh, colleagues, yeah, because yeah. you know. You go to a country and they have already their friends. Yes, so yeah, it's, uh, I, yeah. it's easy when you're young. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was younger, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, that, that's not a nice uh, round uh, background, basically. Yeah, maybe one thing I can add mm -hmm. is that 
You know, when my wife asked me to go back to Russia, mm-hmm. I was not really that uh, happy, that mm-hmm. convinced of, of that, because... So what did you know about Russia before you went there? I knew, well, of course, like what everybody knows, that it was like uh, authoritarian or totalitarian mm-hmm. uh, regime. At that time, I, I was really thinking that way. Now mm-hmm. I've changed my mind, but uh, I was thinking that it was a regime, that it was actually dangerous for me to be there and speak freely my mm-hmm. mind. Like, if, of course, I didn't like Putin, so yeah. if I was afraid that, you know, uh, I don't want to shut up. Yeah. And uh, if I end up to jail, it's not, it's not bad for our families. <laughs> no, exactly. You have children and everything. And then, um, but what about um, the country itself, like the, the people and the society? I didn't have actually a bad idea. Mm. I thought that it had many problems, but about the same that we have in Italy. Yeah. So corruption, um, then... I was worried about healthcare and also education. You know, Finland is quite known for having yeah, a yeah. very good education. So mm. why leave Finland to go to Russia when you just how, have two small kids? Yeah, how old are your kids? Now they are uh, five and four years old. Okay. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, three and three two years. years. Yeah. But what made me a bit more comfortable moving there is that in Finland we were having a babysitter she was helping us with the with the kids and uh, she was a Russian girl mm-hmm. about 20 years old and she was studying at the university in Finland mm-hmm. and she said she said to me why are you worried like uh, I'm studying here in Finland and I find that the university is extremely easy for me mm-hmm. like I see my other um, Uh, students working with me and they are like studying and they are they say that it's so difficult and I find it so extremely easy and I'm not a genius mm-hmm. and uh, then I, I understood that it's actually in a way again similar to Italy in the sense that it really depends everything on your teachers yeah exactly I have a story like this when I moved to from Poland to Germany in the fifth class uh, So math in Poland, because because it was before the Berlin Wall fell in mm-hmm. eighty nine, we were quite far already. We 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 worked with X and stuff like this, and when I moved to Germany, it was like going back two classes back. <laughs> and what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I already know this shit. Obviously, I had problems with German. Uh, so so yeah. they put me so math was no problem but uh, then German I I needed to do more more work with German then yes yeah and also of course my other concern was uh, healthcare mm-hmm. uh, and I have to say that I'm very very happy how it works in Russia because okay. at least I mean of course there are problems there uh, for sure but. Um, The medics, the personnel really cares. Mm-hmm. If you call, like in, in Finland, I don't know how it is in Sweden, but in Finland, it's almost impossible to get an ambulance. Like even when giving birth, they mm-hmm. don't come mm-hmm. unless like you are like, it, it's something really leading. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But no, in Finland you have to go, you take a taxi if you don't have a car, so we took a taxi. Yeah. If the kids, they are sick, uh, you need to take them to the doctor. The doc- doctor doesn't come. Okay. And uh, in Russia it's exactly the opposite. Sometimes it's even too much in the sense that you're calling them by the phone and they hear in the background that the baby has a cough and they say, what? Why, why are you not coming here? Do you want to kill your child? I mean, <laughs> we are, or we are coming immediately. Okay. <laughs> and so it, it can be a bit on the other uh, opposite of mm-hmm. the spectrum. Uh, but on the other hand, like uh, you see that they are professional and they care. And mm-hmm. then, of course, it's all made bad because of corruption. Like when you, when you start talking about... Uh, I don't know, uh, like hospitals, how mm. they are managed, then yes, absolutely, it's a, it becomes a, a problem. Okay. But if you look at uh, the competence mm. of the doctors, mm. they are really great. Okay, cool. Interesting. I, I mean, it, it reminds me, every, a lot of the stuff you say reminds me of back in the days in Poland, yes, where yes. when my uh, brother's um, father's brother, he got sick with cancer, they needed to to like give money on the side to the doctors so so they would help him faster it was not about i mean he he yeah it was mostly about getting the shit done basically but you need to what do you call it to give a i don't know in english yeah um but yeah, it's, this, uh... with corruption and so so bribe yeah exactly yeah. you needed to bribe them with money and they basically after two years with cancer they ran out of money and uh, that's and yeah during that time uh, my family moved to germany and they then came uh, where we were and he lived like uh, i think 15 more years no 12 more years or something so he had small children, and if they stayed in Poland, I guess he would have died quite mm-hmm. early. Uh, but in Germany, he had then the uh, yeah benefit of living and seeing his children to grow up, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, money ran out, and then shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've heard similar stories in uh, in Russia as well. So these things still happen, even. Mm-hmm. It's not clear to me whether it is really bribery. I mean, yes, it is bribery, like to get faster. So yeah. if you don't bribe, you go like uh, you no. have to wait in the queue. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I guess it, it's it's here in Sweden. You have to wait so long in, uh, in a queue, but there's no fast line with bribing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're private clinics. Yes, uh-huh. yes, uh-huh. exactly. So as a private. Uh, uh, customer or what do you call it uh, then you you get faster access mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not I'm not exactly sure how this works because I never I'm never sick here good for you <laughs> 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 exactly <laughs> okay but uh, yeah okay interesting uh, so once you once you moved with your family how is can you become a Russian citizen one day or will you always be a foreigner? Uh, so I can 
Uh, I think even now I could apply for Russian citizenship. Only after two years living there? I think so, because I'm married and okay. I have kids. Hmm. Um, I, I don't intend to do that. Um, so you can't have two? No, oh, that's, yeah. that's the problem. Hmm. If you are a Russian, it's different. I think you can take also a second, uh, nationality okay i'm not sure yeah. but well for sure my kids they do have dual nationality okay because they are born in uh, finland by a russian mother or why it's um all because of the mother and father so they have italian citizenship because of me and oh. they have russian citizenship because of my of my wife And they don't have Finnish. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. If we had lived there, I don't know if if it's for five or ten years, then mm. they could have applied for that. Mm, But okay. it's kind of equivalent with the Italian one, yeah. like it's European Union, so it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. True. I <laughs> I just applied. Actually, already one year ago for the Swedish one, I have the Polish one, the German one, and now I've been living more than seven years in Sweden. I just, I mostly want to have it to be able to vote here. Right, right. Everything else is basically the same as in Germany. And it's a collection item. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it can be Jason Bourne, Bourne identity. <laughs> so which one of these three passports do you want to see when you are in the border? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But apparently in some, uh, in, some, in some parts of the world, it's forbidden to have more than one. Mm. And then you need to, to hide this, the other ones. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, but so t tell me more about. Uh, so, are your children going to kindergarten? Yes, uh, they're going into they're going to kindergarten, and it's a very nice. I'm really happy with that. Mm -hmm. It's uh, first of all, Saint Petersburg is a city that grows vertically. Oh, okay. Like uh, I live in a 14-story house Shit. and also the, those houses nearby mine okay most of them like i would say that the landscape is made of um maybe nine stories houses mm -hmm. be, be, between nine and twelve i would say there are some uh, skyscrapers about uh, 20 or maybe 25 mm -hmm. floors not many of them actually But that means that since you have this, um, so the people is more concentrated in a smaller area. Yeah. And so you have to walk less to find uh, mm -hmm. a shop, kindergarten, okay. school. And it's very, very um, near our Everything is close, okay. Yes, yes. But didn't you say that uh, the style is like... Uh, that was the city center, yes. Okay, so there's the an old city center. center. Yeah. And then uh, suburbs. Yes, uh, I would say the city center is kind of it. Not it's not that different from Gothenburg, for example, or Stockholm. Like mm -hmm. you have these uh, four or five uh, story uh, yeah. buildings. Okay, and not much more than that. Maybe seven. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the limit. Mm -hmm. And they are kind of uh, old, uh, like 
like the architecture looks uh, old and very much decorated. Pretty and so on. Yes, and, but uh, now in the suburb you have uh, buildings of different, um, from different ages, uh, like the Soviet ones. Yeah, yeah. Like very uh, square, or <laughs> like I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not with, definitely not very decorated. <laughs> and uh, there are new ones and uh, they take maybe from Finnish style. So uh, not far from my place, there are some buildings that are re relatively new. Maybe they have a couple of years and they are like, you see a lot of glass and the, the walls of the buildings from the outside, they are very uh, colored with uh, squares of different colors. But it's um, you can see that it's being planned by someone who understands about colors, how to put them together. I, I see, I see. Okay. It's not just round. It's not the grey. Okay. 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 So uh, interesting. So yeah, about the kindergarten, uh, the kids are in a group of about. Uh, well, the number of pupils is uh, quite high, actually. In theory, it's, I think it's about 25. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. In practice, uh, I think there are never more than 15 because everybody is sick. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, I mean, okay. you know, kids out there. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I think there are not that many, maybe. Yeah, and they have two teachers always with them. Mm -hmm. And we are very happy with these uh, teachers because, uh, well, because the kids are happy, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, they, the teachers know how to get uh, themselves respected while still being very nice to the kids. Uh, the kids love them. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, of course, they didn't want to go to the kindergarten, but after mm -hmm. one week, like, they, yeah. they changed. And now, when I want to tell them goodbye, like, sometimes they don't even uh, succeed because they run away from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how did it go with? Because I guess so. What language did your children speak from? Like from the beginning when you were in Finland. Okay, so we decided with my wife even before the kids were born that we should speak each our own language. Mm -hmm. So I always speak Italian, and my wife always speak speaks Russian mm -hmm. so our even when we talk to each other so our uh, oh. conversations are so mixed. okay interesting yeah, yeah. and um, and why why did we do this well because we want that the kids learn the proper mm. language like if I were to speak Russian yeah. it would be a disaster for <laughs> my kids no, um, I, I think the they, they can keep up with, with the right one from someone else Maybe, but, yeah. But I understand that that you still want them to have easy access to a second language. Yes, yeah. and they do. Like it's it has been successful. Now now they speak uh, Italian. Mm -hmm. Of course, they live in Russia, so Russian is much stronger Absolutely, language yeah. for them. But uh, to me, they speak Italian, and like they know already that uh, even though I'm studying Russian, like yeah. I just pretend that. I don't understand. I mean, they yeah, know yeah. that I understand because my wife is yeah, speaking yeah. Russian to me, but still, they, um, they know that when they talk to me, they have to speak in Italian okay. and they do that and quite uh, mm -hmm. correctly, I would say. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. So my stepdaughter, I met her when she was two years old 
and uh, she and her mother they moved to Germany in the beginnings and we lived there for like three years it took her just um, <laughs> like about two or three weeks to 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 be able to to do conversation <laughs> on the kindergarten how was it for your children um because I guess because they already spoke with a mother in Russia, there was no problem at all. Absolutely yeah. no problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, and I still speak with my stepdaughter German. And there was a time when she was a young teenager where she didn't want to. Why? And because it wasn't cool, she didn't need it, and so on. Uh, and then once she got on the internet, basically, <laughs> and uh, met people who spoke German and who didn't speak English or Swedish, then suddenly she changed her mind and <laughs> oh, that's actually really cool that I can do this. <laughs> so let's let's keep doing it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so there were there were a couple of years where I spoke German and she responded in Swedish to me. But now she's back to responding in German, so nice, it's nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, I I can tell that it's that it's a bit difficult for my kids to speak Italian. Sometimes they don't find the words. Sometimes they put some Russian word in yeah. there. It's a bit painful even sometimes to watch them because they are. You can see that they want to say something and they mm. are looking for the word. But I think that at the end it will pay. Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, when I speak with my parents, it's uh, it's such a mess. So we speak this weird... Uh, it's kind of Polish, but it's Silesian, because we are from Silesia, which has a lot of German influence. Mm -hmm. So so it was already before we moved to Germany, we, we used a couple of German words here and there, just instead of Polish words. And this just increases and increases <laughs> and increases. <laughs> so for us, it sounds normal, as if we would speak this language, but obviously nobody can understand us, only people who do know German, and not only Polish, but this Silesian accent, basically. <laughs> mm, yeah. Sometimes I'm, I feel a bit sorry for the... British and the uh, Americans because like whenever they go like as a tourist they cannot say any secret to each other that everybody understands them. <laughs> That's true. Unless they come to <laughs> Or Russia. Or Russia, yeah. yeah Russia. Oh, is it true? Okay. Uh, everybody in Italy and also in Russia studies English mm -hmm. but for some reason we just don't get it. <laughs> or So how was your English before you moved to Finland? It was okay -ish. Um, written form, I think it was already relatively good. Okay. Spoken form, of course, like, it was uh, even worse than it is now, of course. Like, hopefully. Pronunciation, <laughs> yes. Uh, even nowadays, like, I guess that people can tell that I'm Italian. Yeah, or, that's normal. Or definitely not uh, a British. <laughs> that's quite obvious. Uh, yeah, it was even stronger than this, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure. Okay, because when I moved to Sweden, shit, my English was so bad. Obviously because I, when I started learning English, it was in the fifth class, exactly when I moved to Germany, so I had to learn English and German, so I was way behind always. Mm. 
So my Swedish was so bad, so I always told people, no, no, don't speak English to me because I want to learn Swedish. So, but in in fact, I was embarrassed <laughs> on how oh. bad my English was. <laughs> it's good that you had a nice excuse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so let's see. Uh, how do you... Do you have contact with Russian people, not only like family? Do you have, uh, I mean, two years is quite a short time to, to make friends and so on. How does it work? How, how, yeah, is... you know, uh, when you have a family already, you don't have that much time to look specifically for friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know some other Russians, like if you exclude all the relatives from my wife's side, um, because I'm studying Russian. So at the very least, uh, the teacher, I've changed the three, uh, Russian teachers, not because of my will, not even because they didn't want (laughs) me as a student, but because, um, the first one had to move to another part of the city that was very far for me. The the other one moved to China for a year. Mm, to teach there. Nice. Uh, to teach uh, Russian? Yes. Okay, yes. cool. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so, um, apart from this, um, yeah, I have some acquaintances because, as you know, like, uh, like you as a hobby, I photography. So I oh, had yeah. some yeah. photo sessions with girls and, but we don't really keep in touch. Okay, okay. So occasionally I speak Russian to someone that I don't know, but uh, yeah. real friendship, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's relatives, I would say, mostly yeah, yeah. relatives. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I had to, because we, me and my ex-wife separated, I had to oh. build up <laughs> friends here also. I mean, uh, in the end, it started with her, with her friends and her brother's friends and now her brother moved somewhere and and now they are my friends. (laughs) (laughs) You have to start all over again. Yeah. Okay. Um, So let's see. What should we talk more about? So uh, money-wise, I... It's a bit weird because you work for a Swedish company now, uh, but uh, what would you say is their difference? Because I guess uh, St. Petersburg is much more Western-oriented, I would guess, but perhaps not, I don't know, than the rest of Russia, apart perhaps Um, from... I wouldn't say Western-oriented. I would say that if... Like, if you talk about mentality, it's still mm-hmm. very Russian, okay. absolutely, mm-hmm. 100%. But if you're talking about, like, uh, uh, I don't know, salary expectations or these things, mm-hmm. well, of course, St. Petersburg and Moscow are rather relatively expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so speaking of salaries, well, first of all, let's say about the cost of living, because mm-hmm. um, I would say... Most things are cheaper in Russia, like uh, food, okay. for example, yeah. um, furniture. Compared to where? <laughs> Finland or even Italy, Italy I would okay. say, <laughs> yes. Uh, but then if you talk about technology, mm-hmm. it's the same as Finland, if not more even sometimes. Okay, yeah. I 
don't ask me why. I really yeah, have but no that, clue. That's exactly the same thing in Poland also. So you, you get a bread for almost no money, even vodka or beer or whatever. But if you want to buy a TV, it's more expensive than in Germany or Sweden. Yeah, yeah. But I guess, I mean, it's weird because they they even produced those TVs in Poland locally uh-huh. and they're still more expensive than somewhere else. And it's EU and everything. It's weird, yeah. yeah no <laughs> idea why this happens. But then about um, salaries, um, what can I tell you? I would say that... So, first of all, I don't have any statistics, mm. right? I think that last time I checked it was saying that a monthly salary of 50,000 rubles is kind of okay and that would be about seven, eight hundred euros. Okay. Um, of course, software developers earn more. Okay. Um, I mean, there, the range is, as you know, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's quite uh, wide. I can tell you about a babysitter that we are having okay. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, kids go to the kindergarten, but uh, when they come back or if they are sick, uh, mm-hmm. then we need uh, to ask her for help. And um, so sometimes, like even before, for instance, before they went to the kindergarten, like we were spending, uh, it was more than 1,000 euros per month. Okay. Actually, yeah, uh, somewhat more than that. So she was earning. Yeah. Well, of course, she was uh, working only for us, but that was her salary, which for uh, for Russia is quite uh, quite a good one. Uh, Actually, I would say an excellent one. Yeah, but there's obviously a difference between brutto and netto. Uh, So. You need to pay one thousand, but she didn't get one thousand. Um, she needs. She needed to pay, or was it? <laughs> if, it if it's on the, uh, yeah, I don't know. You need to pay tax, taxes and so on. So, so uh, first of all, I'm not sure how her uh, legal status there was. Like, apart, I'm okay. talking about this uh, this job. I think that most of the times it's done just uh, under the mm-hmm. table. Um, oh, so I mean. We didn't ever check, so it's yeah. her business. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm, but uh, yeah, and in any case, the uh, taxation is very, very low. No. So, as as an employee, I pay about thirteen percent. It's fixed. Okay. It's a uh, so independent of how much you earn. Yes, yes. So even if you earn like 10 times as much, it's still 13%? Yes, yes. Mm. I don't like this. Uh, I think it should uh, be uh, pro- like yeah. to, to grow the yeah. the percentage. But uh, in any case, even if it grew, it looks like it would be much lower than okay. uh, yeah, yeah. In, in Finland or Sweden. Mm. And uh, as if you are self-employed, it's uh, either six or seven percent, even less. It? Okay. It's six or seven, depending on whether you want to. Uh, if you do it on the netto or brutto, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And um, e- another option is uh, you can file for having a. They call it patent, patent or license. I would say. Mm-hmm. So, if you have a license, for instance, to be a teacher. 
then you don't pay taxes depending how, mu how much you earn, but on how much the average of this profession okay. earns. Okay. Hmm. And like, you know, for instance, my wife is a teacher, private teacher, and teachers don't earn a lot. No. So okay. she pays like a fixed, uh, it's really a fixed sum. Mm -hmm. And it's the same for uh, babysitters. They can apply for the similar thing. So okay. they don't pay depending on how much they earn, but uh, they pay a fixed sum. So where is the, like, where, where do the communities or the, the cities and they get the money from if the taxes are that low? Well, from the taxes, because, uh, I mean, I, I actually don't know where they get it from, <laughs> but I can, I can imagine that, uh, you know, the taxation when it is a bit uh, lower, mm. uh, of course, some more people paid, um, I mean, the, the tax evasion is very high, very high. Ah, but see. if we say, if we talk about Italy, I don't know which <laughs> one is higher. So okay. yeah. uh, in Italy, the taxation is much higher, but uh, yeah, not many people pay yeah, if, yeah. if they can. And uh, I guess, I, I really don't know if they get some... Uh, Something from the big uh, corporation, like mm. uh, how it's called, uh, Gazprom. Like, of okay. course, Russia has a lot of natural yeah, yeah. resources, resources. Oh, so yeah, that's right. it, it might be that. Depending uh, on where 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 they mine those yeah. resources, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Russia has a lot of this, so they might not need to tax like people work basically, like in Germany and Sweden. Here we don't have any natural resources. Everything we want to do, we need to import the resources and mm -hmm. then we can do something with them. So the only way to really make money for the state, I guess, is uh, to tax it the, the work done. Yeah. Yeah. So how about, what is the text called where you, not the income text, but the text where when you buy something? Vet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I really don't know. Okay. I really don't know. I think it's very, very low, but I I don't even have a check with me that I could uh, <laughs> look at. Um, okay, yeah. But I don't know. It's low. Okay, if you don't know, then it <laughs> must be low. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Here in Sweden, I think we have 25%. In Germany, they have 19%. Mm. So that's, that's a lot. And... I think that's a tax on the people who have the least of money because they basically spend every all the money they have on on those goods and everyone who is who has a lot of money only spends a little amount of that. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about your your Twitter uh, account. Because Are you sure <laughs> you want to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. I I only started following you like two weeks ago, uh, but I see that you're you're posting um, at least let's say counterpoints to to what we normally see in our media here in the West. Uh, yes, I I mean I, I myself follow follow stuff like this uh, also from inside of Germany like uh, uh, news which try to 
try to look behind the the obvious thing, uh, propaganda stuff and so on. Uh, but you are basically sitting behind the front lines on, <laughs> so you. you you get the the completely different picture from uh, from the media there. Uh, how how do you feel about that? How how does it uh, how how does it affect you? Yeah, yeah. In comparison to when 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 you lived in Finland and Italy, for example. Uh, I don't see that big change because I'm not really reading um, the media that Russian people read. I'm still um, it's lazy let's say like that so yeah. i read from english uh, speaking mm-hmm. english um, yeah, news media in, yeah. in english so that's uh, russia today and sputnik and a yeah. few others but uh, and that's something that everybody can do can do here and in fact i started before moving to russia i started like really my mind changed from like 150 degrees about okay. uh, Put, especially about Putin, because we cannot hide it that it's like the the central uh, the <laughs> elephant in the room. Like, let's, say, <laughs> let's say like that, um, because and it all started with the conflict in uh, in Ukraine. Before that, I was really anti-Putin. Like mm-hmm. I was absolutely certain that he was uh, responsible of killing of several journalists mm-hmm. and uh, of jailing. I don't know how many opposition yeah. members and I I didn't have like a totally bad opinion of him because in a way I still saw him as someone in any case doing the interest of the Russians. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but still, yeah, I, I was deeming him like completely anti-democratic and like a fascist in okay. America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, playing put and when I start when the conflict in Ukraine started just by accident I started seeing that uh, Russia today was giving the news a bit earlier mm-hmm. than the other media mm-hmm. because they had more journalists journalists there yeah, okay, right yeah. and I was reading mostly uh, BBC and The Guardian at that time and I said, okay, maybe I should also read a bit this one. And then, of course, I checked Wikipedia to see who is behind Russia today. And okay, I see yeah. that it's the Russian government. Yeah, yeah. It's actually directly funded by them. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I understand. Okay, but this is going to be propaganda, Russian propaganda. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, I'm not a fool, right? So yeah. I can read it and then I can decide. I, I'm also continuing to read the BBC, so yeah. it's not that they can fool me completely. Absolutely. Well, I was wrong. They, they fooled me. <laughs> <Now> okay. I, <laughs> I'm joking, but uh, what I realized is that the BBC and RT are much more similar than what we might think at first sight. Yeah. Well, first of all, if it's... Um, our, um, if the if the topic is something that doesn't really relate to Russia, mm-hmm. they're very, very similar, like mm-hmm. the, the articles. But uh, so, like China or Japan or something like that? Or what, what do you mean? Yeah, for example, okay. yes. Mm-hmm. If Russia doesn't have like a direct interest okay. or uh, Britain or like okay. the West doesn't mm-hmm. have a very direct interest, they're quite objective mm-hmm. and they have both like very professional journalists that they go on the ground and they report and most of the times they have links to the sources of what they do Mm -hmm. and 
But yeah, like Russia Today was there, like they had more journalists or more connections because of the language, maybe, I don't know, in I Ukraine. So, so yeah. they were giving the news a bit early. So I read this and that and the BBC. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I realized when it came about Ukraine was that the content of the articles was actually the same, uh, but the feeling that the reader would get by reading these articles was 100 degrees opposite. So I guess 180. Ex- yeah, 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 <laughs> sorry. Um, but it was in base 200. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so, for instance, you know, it's a war, right? So mm-hmm. There are these two parties that are shooting at each other. Mm. And then you would read the BBC and the title would be uh, that uh, uh, the, re- the pro-Russian rebels killed, uh, I don't know, uh, seven civilians yeah. uh, in Ukraine. And then you go to see Russia Today and say, that, oh, the Ukrainian, the fascist Ukrainian government has killed uh, three people in the rebel-held areas. Mm-hmm. And then you read the articles. And the uh, one in the BBC starts, yes, by saying that uh, the rebels killed these people and then goes along to tell about the history of this conflict. Like the BBC has these very, very long articles. And at the end, it says, and it's also reported that uh, the Ukrainian government has killed three people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the RT is exactly the opposite. It starts by saying, oh, these Ukrainian fascists are bad and that they this they did this and that, uh, and then they say, uh, yes, but, you know, also the rebels killed five civilians there. Mm-hmm. So the content is the same, but the feeling that you mm-hmm. get, especially because sometimes, I'm not saying that most people read just the title. Yeah. I think they read also the beginning of the article, yeah. but then once you understand what the article is about, you don't go to the end. <laughs> That's true. Most of the times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the feeling that you get is different and the prominence of the news mm. it's absolutely different like okay. of course because if you read the, if you open the BBC especially the BBC Europe news mm-hmm. you see quite often there are there is at least one article that puts Russia in bad light mm, if you read uh, the RT then you see that some place in Europe is very bad yeah or actually RT has another spin also that's actually I think it's much more positive that it says that some place in Europe has wants maybe to remove sanctions against Russia that wants to do something that Russia really uh, is happy about okay so I think this is a bit better spin in the sense that mm. it tells Russians that not everybody in Europe is against them but it's also part of a propaganda yeah, because yeah. it kind of reinforces the yeah. uh, certain okay, yeah, spirit yeah. and um, so what can I tell you that you need to read both uh, both sides of the story because it's actually very polarized thing when it comes to Ukraine to Syria it's uh, absolutely uh, and I don't want to talk like about uh, why this happens because mm. one advice that I really need to give to everybody is to go in YouTube and watch um, Noam Chomsky. Mm. Noam Chomsky has made, uh, well, in YouTube you find a uh, lot of things by yeah. him, but there is like a documentary. It's also a book, Manufacturing Consent. Uh, you can just watch it for free and it's it's quite telling like how... Really, exp- he really explains 
how and why these things happen. Because you see, the, for instance, in Italy, we have a lot of debate about our political parties. But mm -hmm. when it comes to international facts, mm -hmm. we are, we don't really, well, first of all, we talk very little about them. Okay. Like, for instance, Italians don't know how the European Union works. They don't know what, I don't know in Sweden, but do you know what the uh, European Parliament is debating in these days? Okay, no. We don't know them. Yeah. Even when it comes to Russian sanctions, like sanctions against Russia or like uh, the agreement that the EU, the EU had with Erdogan about the migrants. Mm. Do we know? The political process, like how was it decided? No, we don't even know that we pay him to build the wall between Turkey and Syria. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Basically, yeah. so there is very very much ignorance about that. But also like, and this means that there is absolutely no debate because mm. they, we learn about sanctions against Russia when the decision has been taken. Mm -hmm. We knew about the agreement with Erdogan for the migrants when the agreement was already taken. I yeah. think that if there had been a debate, I don't know about the sanctions against Russia, maybe they would have still be put, but I'm sure that the majority of Europeans is against the agreement with Erdogan. I might be wrong, but I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on uh, the, the the country. I guess Poland yeah. and uh, uh, Hungary are quite okay with it. <laughs> yes, yes, but I don't think that those are the countries that actually uh, no. pushed for so much for this agreement. But no, uh, anyway... That's true. It's mostly Germany. Yeah. And India. there is one thing I also want to say about this need to see both parts of the story, that if you think of a jury, like sometimes there are some cases where it's so obvious that the culprit, that they, uh, I'll say the, uh, the people who is, uh, the person who is under, who is being processed, mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm. I don't remember. Mm. Yeah. Whatever. Like this, this, <laughs> yeah. this bad guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. We are almost, well, we could say that we are certain that it's him. Yeah. Yeah. But still, the jury is also is listening to the prosecution yeah. and to the defense, even yeah. though it's absolutely certain that it's him, because he might say something, maybe not to discharge him completely, mm. but it makes the whole episode look completely different, like yeah. completely different light. Maybe, I don't know, like if it's, let's talk about like a very stupid episode, but like uh, a pedophile, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the worst thing that you can think of. Yeah. But then maybe if you learn that his infant, infantry, infancy was like mm -hmm. uh, a nightmare, that yeah. he had been abused and something and even like everything in his life turned out to be so bad, yeah. maybe, you know, you could change a bit your mind about him. Still, he's yeah. guilty. That's for sure. But you might then want to put him into a hospital and not into our yes, uh, for example. Jail. Yes, yeah. that's a very good point. And when it comes to international relationship, like every like there are really two blocks. We might think that, uh, like in Italy, we think that. Uh, uh, when it comes to international uh, news, mm -hmm. like we have the BBC, we have Reuters, we have France 24, we have Associated Press, we have the CNN. Maybe we think these Americans, they're a bit uh, too 
exceptionalists maybe, mm. a bit exaggerating facts, but still, okay, at least we in Europe are the good ones. So if you take all these media and you kind of blend them together, you get the truth. <laughs> and it's so wrong because they are part of the same block, they are mm. part of the same mentality. So for instance, uh, like very recent, there are many things that I could say that I'm quite sure that your uh, audience uh, doesn't know if they don't read Russia Today mm. uh, about the Skripal case, for example, about the chemical attacks in Syria. Uh, there are some some news that you really need to get and they, West, they don't pass through Western media. Like, the, I guess the question is uh, define news and how do they compare to propaganda, for example? Uh, I don't. I don't see a distinction. Okay. I think actually that it's very good that the BBC is uh, biased in a pro-Western ba- way and that RT is biased in a pro-Russian way because they are sincere. Mm-hmm. They are sincere about their things. I don't believe in a media that tries to be objective, but it cannot because we're human. We cannot be objective. Mm-hmm. I I prefer to read, to talk to a communist and to talk to a fascist and get my opinion from these two very polar uh, parties Mm -hmm. rather than listen to a centrist that tries to summarize their those two opinions without actually being convincing without being convinced himself sure but but most of the people like the the biggest part of all people more somehow in the center anyway because uh, you don't, don't have so. the, the the extreme left and the extreme right are extreme for a reason, because most of the people are not there, therefore they are extreme. So <laughs> I would say that um, so this distinction between left and right it's a bit anachronistic, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that many people have ideas that are of extreme right, mm-hmm. and many ideas who are of extreme left, like mm. the same person has some ideas that are on this range of the spectrum and on the yeah, other one. That's true so because the average, over yeah, anyway, so yeah. In the average, you, you cannot really say this person is on the far right or, or far left, mm. so he's kind of there. Because the, it has not only one, dimen- uh, like one dimension Absolutely or two, true. but three or four or yeah. even more. Yeah. yeah. And then like journalists are, like even Western journalists, I they are there in uh, where it, they need to be, like in in Duma. If we want to talk about Syria, like this Duma was the city where the uh, chemical attack mm. is yeah, thought yeah. to have happened. And like uh, there is a Western journalist actually who said that there are about twenty troops of uh, Western journalists here, and they are interviewing the civilians and they are doing their job. Where are their articles in the Western media? Mm-hmm. Like there is one uh, in the Independent. I really recommend that by Robert Fisk. He's a journalist who has a very long experience in the Middle East. He speaks Arabic and uh, is not like a fool that believes to um, all the... Uh, he knows that the civilians are now under assault, so they are probably not free to tell the truth, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, he presents the various uh, aspects of his story. He says, I've, they've told me this, I'm not sure if it is true, but mm. here it is. And I think this is journalism. Yeah. 
reporting from what you see and yes. uh, just taking the information basically how it is. But yeah, I guess at the same time, as you said, it's important to for journalists not only to report, but also to like categorize or something information so that uh, that you as a reader kind of not because otherwise raw data would be good enough for oh everyone. yes yes i absolutely I'm, i agree with you with this yes yes i'm saying that there are some some topics even that are not really uh spoken in our media mm. and i can make some examples that are kind of like in italy for instance um the sanctions against russia for the annexation of crimea they have made uh, they were taking a toll on the economy mm. still we debate very very little about them in mm -hmm. italy and if there is a debate like even those uh, political parties that would like to have these sanctions removed they say that they want them removed because they damage our economy but no one goes to see are they actually right mm -hmm. and i want really like to right, talk right about from a moral standpoint or what do you mean Both moral and uh, I'd say uh, juris, okay, juris. Jury, juridic yeah, yeah. point of view. Maybe uh, like I, I'm not a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah. I cannot tell you if the annexation of Crimea was legal or not. Yeah, I can tell you that I believe in the right of self determination of people. Mm -hmm. I'm almost sure that that referendum that he had in Crimea was not taken in the best. Like it didn't happen in the best conditions to actually uh, receive the real mm -hmm. uh, desire of the people because it was under stress let's yeah. say they had i think two weeks to mm -hmm. prepare for this referendum there was not really a big debate yeah, so yeah, i yeah. think debate is fundamental for democracy yeah. but then if you think that it was let's put it that it was illegal like completely illegal from international standpoint yeah. how do we behave against turkey for example This is something that I never heard in, in a debate. Like Turkey has occupied the northern part of Cyprus. Cyprus is a country of the European <laughs> Union. Yeah. And we are not speaking about sanctions. We are actually talking, uh, well, nowadays, like the relation with Erdogan has a bit uh, okay, yeah. deteriorated. They are allies and. <laughs> yeah, like there was talk to invite them in the European Union. And even another episode that is, in my opinion, even stronger is about Israel. And, and this is something that it's very hard to talk about without being labeled uh, anti-Semite. Sure. Yeah. Because like Israel has occupied a part of Syria, mm. uh, the Golan Heights. Okay. In, and I'm not saying, it's not my opinion, like since the UN has said that this is illegal, the UN has said that the Turkey uh, occupation of Cyprus is illegal, mm. and also the annexation of Crimea is illegal according to the majority of UN yeah. countries, let's say. Of course, if someone puts a veto, then you don't get the, okay. uh, the truth. But so if these are equally illegal, Then where are, now if, at least in Italy, I don't know here, but there are some people who say that, you know, we should uh, put a label on products that Israel produces in the occupied territories. Well, they are talking about Palestine, not Golan, but, okay. and already like when people propose this, they are labeled as anti-Semites. Yeah, but it's very far from being a sanction, right? Uh, yeah, I guess it's, It for historical reason because because we Germans uh, labeled Jews 
uh, like very open, <laughs> so everybody had to had uh, this David uh, star. No, but this is not about labeling what comes out of Israel. Is what comes about but, but, from the but still, territory. Absolutely, it's still labeling and something with Israel. So that. But the the products that come from Israel are already labeled in the supermarkets. Ah, okay. You mean like that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, it, and I'm not saying that we should put these sanctions. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'm against all sanctions. I'm just saying that this debate is completely missing. So why are you against all sanctions? How do you mean? Because sometimes we need to do something. Uh, and I mean, yes, sanctions I, are a way of... It could be. But if you see that they don't work, like okay, sanctions yeah. against Russia, they've... Uh, how they compacted the Russian opinion around Putin, so they made him actually stronger. That is true, and that happens like everywhere in Iran. Yeah, can you in put? North can Korea you, yeah, so. can you imagine putting sanctions against Erdogan? <laughs> I mean, it would mm. have even more popular. Support. Absolutely. So that, yes. uh, yeah. I think you have to make this, and I don't know, but. <laughs> Uh, I don't say you need to have yeah. a solution for this now. <laughs> but I think we should talk, we should have yeah. a debate. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I watch for. And my Twitter account to come back to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, I can, I say it openly, it's a pro-Russian propaganda, mm -hmm. pro which doesn't mean it's fake news. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely sure, like, I really, if someone has some doubts, I can bet. I can make a bet with someone who has doubts that you will not be able to find a fake news in RT. Mm -hmm. You, of course, if the prime minister of Russia says something that uh, turns out to be fake, well, R RT uh, like repeats that, that. Repeats yeah. that. Yes, uh, but uh, if they know, like, and they report that the prime minister said that, they don't say that this is the, the truth. truth yeah. So, and it's about the same as uh, Western media, they do like, so, I, Yeah, exactly. The they have the same problems with Trump. He says all the shitty things and... Yeah, you have to it, report it. Yeah, exactly. Whether it is true or false, it's a journalist's duty exactly. to report it's it. It's the president or some yeah. minister or something. That it's, it's, your, it's your job, basically. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's... Let's like round off everything. So, uh, do you plan to stay in Russia for now with your family, or uh, what's the what's the grand plan? <laughs> I I don't like to think about that actually okay. because I I'm very happy in Russia now, mm -hmm. um, but then I miss also Italy. Mm. So, on the other hand, I don't see myself going back to Italy. I mean, with the family and. It's uh, it's a bit uh, difficult, especially because like with the kids, I think that actually Russia is a nice place for for having ki for raising kids, because first of all they get strong against the all the difficulties that <laughs> like they forge their character. Right? Okay, <laughs> but no, but it's also about um, actually something very practical. It's about uh, taking a walk with the kids, going to the parks. Like we have many parks and by the roads are in the city, they are very wide. We have um, side, very wide sidewalks and it's safe. Mm. It's safe. In Italy, we have these beautiful cities that are very old and ancient. They're very, you know, 
compressed. The, the, the streets are narrow and yeah, yeah. they let cars pass through them. You don't, in some places you don't have sidewalk, you have very, uh, how to say, acute corners mm -hmm. between two streets. I mean, you don't see the car coming. It, yeah. I guess St. Petersburg is a, a young city. Yes. In comparison to... Like the northern, like uh, Gothenburg. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's older, but still the architecture is like exactly. more spacey. Oh, and, and so on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess I have one more question. So how do you feel about the whole anti-homosexual, I don't know, propaganda or uh, I don't know what you call it? Uh, because I, I, I myself, I only sometimes read... <laughs> Uh, English Pravda instead mm -hmm. of uh, Russia Today, which is like uh, older and m more rooted in the in the in the old ways, I guess, uh -huh. uh, newspaper. And when I read what 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 I read there, it it's I must say it scares me how they speak about uh, about those uh, people, which are a bit different. Mm -hmm. So. Can you be different in Russia, or is it or like, or is it is it something special with homosexuality, or can you be a punk, <laughs> or is it okay to be whatever techno Actually, nerd yes. or whatever? <laughs> That's a wonderful question, and I want to take a little step back. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, as I said. If you read the BBC or the Guardian, you see also a lot of bad propaganda about mm -hmm. Russia. And for many things, I would advise you to look at maybe even Wikipedia mm -hmm. or RT if you can, if you're able to find the news in there. Because, for example, uh, about uh, uh, unemployment, like I asked some friends, some even some people in the street in Finland, I had some interviews actually with people mm -hmm. in the street, like to ask, to rate, um, what do you think about these four countries? And it was Finland, Sweden, Italy and Russia. And I asked them to rate according to how much uh, unemployment uh, there would be in these countries, like in percentage. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that Russia has the least unemployment. But that's historically because... Yeah, but I, I mean that people don't know it. So they think that Russia, everything is going bad. Okay. I mean like but, that. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. So for many things, you really have to try to read either the Russian media or what is the mm. what Russian things. Uh, so homosexuality is a big topic. Uh, I can tell you that Putin has very high support among homosexuals in Russia. It's very okay. hard to believe, but there are articles even in Western press about that. I don't mm -hmm. remember it was actually The Guardian, I think, who had an, uh, an article about that. And the reason is that they don't see Putin as the, how to say, the, the reason why uh, this law was uh, passed. And actually, they don't even see this law as, as bad as we see it, okay. because this law is against pro-gay propaganda. It's a, a bad law in the sense that, as you know, it's difficult to define propaganda. Yeah. So it's a, what is a gay pride? Is it propaganda? In fact, there are some, uh, some politicians who would like to ban gay prides. In practice, they still occur mm -hmm. and generally without accidents. Okay. Uh, the, 
But this law, the specific law, uh, was passed with the uh, unanimous vote of the uh, Russian parliament. Mm -hmm. So every parliamentarian, parliament member, voted for this. It was not proposed by Putin, of course. It was mm -hmm. like another parliament yeah, member. Yeah. And so you cannot really find, in, I think, in any country a president who wouldn't sign a law that is... Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it that is, it's yeah, Putin's yeah. fault or anything. I, I mean, so, it's just a Russian... Yes, uh, it's absolutely true that the Russian society has a negative attitude against homosexuals, punks, and generally non-traditional, I wouldn't even say behavior, but even like looks, mm -hmm. in a way that if... It may be that if you are a girl and you walk in the streets with uh, like um, a Finnish or Swedish girl, like not walking, you know, in the, I would say, with the style mm -hmm. and the, uh, the pace of okay. uh, a supermodel. Yeah. Okay, maybe some old woman or some, especially old woman or old man even, they might maybe look at you in a weird way. I don't think they would make you any remark, mm -hmm. but still they would, yeah, or if you have a green hair, mm -hmm. for example. Um, or, and of course, if you kiss with another man, if you're a man in, mm -hmm. in the street, yes, that, that would happen. Like there is uh, some negative feeling about that. Uh, on the other hand, I'm 100% sure that this doesn't uh, affect the like work possibilities, for example. Okay. Um, I think that Russians don't like when you put, when you, how to say, manifest your sex, your sexuality okay. uh, that openly. They say, you can be gay, it's absolutely fine, but don't tell me it as the first thing because, for instance, uh, yeah, I think I can say it without uh, revealing any secret. Like the Russian teacher that I have, she's teaching at the university to British and American students. Mm -hmm. And she noticed that uh, many, uh, especially American students, they say, when they, really the first introduction that they do with her, they say, hey, I'm Brian and I'm gay. And she's not against gays, but she hates that. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand why probably these people are doing the, this because they know that there is a bad uh, feeling against them. So they want to set things straight from the beginning mm -hmm. that, yeah, I'm like this. But uh, I think, yeah, the society is, uh, is a bit, uh, I would say, not yet at that point. But I see it changing. Okay. And I can tell you that this thing changed very quickly. Like in Italy, it was like the same, like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. and I myself, I can say it openly, I was very much against uh, uh, homosexual um, uh, marriage mm -hmm. uh, and I've changed my mind. I've yeah. changed my mind completely. And these things, I think they can even happen in less than a generation, probably. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you just have to talk about that, but talk in a right way, because I think that if you, like... But it's difficult if you have laws which basically in practice prevent you from talking about it because you could you could t make it as you have, you're doing propaganda and that's against the law yeah so um, and we should know what this law is about this is against propaganda to minors oh yeah yeah so if you are on a cafe with a russian man and you want to tell him that uh, homosexuality is fine 
no one or even that it's good that it's mm. the best thing ever mm. no one will tell you anything so that that's absolutely fine and i think that this law was especially made uh, for teachers that's my feeling i i don't know but mm. i suspect that uh, especially parents are afraid that a teacher might lead i don't know if that's that's possible yeah, yeah, yeah. if uh, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, yeah to, I, this, I guess, to this yeah, attitude and uh, yeah I, I also like to be honest I think that this law is both um, homophobic mm -hmm. and right at the same time because it's homophobic because it's obviously targets uh, homosexuality yeah. but it's right in the sense that of course I don't want anyone to have to make uh, gay propaganda to my kids I don't And I think that to make this law right, what they should do is that they should say that you cannot make any propaganda towards kids, not uh, sexual, not religious. Exactly. Do you want uh, someone to make religious propaganda to your kids? Of course not. No. But that doesn't mean that you're anti-Christian or anti-Muslim, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Or and not even political propaganda, I would say, to, yeah. to kids. Yeah. So, yeah. That's why I say that it's both uh, homophobic and right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I understand what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, if anyone from the audience is gay and is afraid of, should I travel to Russia? Please do, please travel to Russia and you will see with your own eyes. Uh, there are actually, I would say, even vibrant gay communities there. They don't, parade in the street but they have their places where they meet and mm. and you might find like uh, yeah you might even change a bit your attitude against mm. uh, russia maybe mm. i guess every journey changes your attitude against uh, the country you're visiting because yeah. you you just learn so much about it so i there's this uh, this plan in uh, europe to give every Uh, I don't remember exactly the the how old they need to be like, uh, but basically every 18 years old, a ticket for mm -hmm. for uh, for a month or something to to ah. ride <laughs> with the train in Europe just to 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 give them a way to to learn about Europe to to visit other countries mm -hmm. to see that they are also just normal people. Sure, you can hear a lot of propaganda about Poland or Hungary or something, mm -hmm. but once you're there and you go to whatever, Warsaw or Budapest or somewhere, they are partying, they have yeah, fun. Yeah, absolutely. All the same. <laughs> yeah, and actually, yeah, maybe one month is even too little because when you see things as a tourist, mm. you might be tempted to think that they are so much better than how they really are sometimes like sure i guess the this one month is like a a way to give uh, it shouldn't matter if you're from a rich family or a poor family mm -hmm. you should have at least once in a life the possibility yeah. to to travel to different countries around to your neighbors and uh, and experience what it means to be abroad you yourself uh, is this person who is not from there and so mm -hmm. i think it's a wonderful thing and i i think if we if we could make it more normal for people to study abroad and so on it would bring all europe closer together so basically we 
we, right now we have a, a nice Europe for money and goods. Now the last step would be a Europe for people. Also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that should have been the first step, actually. Sure, yeah. but <laughs> in a perfect world, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I can add a very short, uh, again, travel agency note for, mm -hmm. I guess, probably most of your audience are Swedish. I have no idea. Ah, uh, German. Have no idea. Uh, ah. <laughs> but anyway, like if something that uh, stops you from traveling to Russia is the visa issue, oh, yeah. then you can go, you can fly to Helsinki mm -hmm. and from there take uh, the, what, a boat. The, mm -hmm. There is a, I think it's ST Peter line. Mm -hmm. And you can be in Russia for up to 72 hours, that is three days, without a visa. I don't know why it's only with the boat. I think it's very stupid. Why don't they do it with the train or plane? But anyway, <laughs> that, that's the thing. So if you if you can easily travel to Helsinki, mm. yeah, you should also pay a visit to yeah, St. Petersburg. And how how long does it take between Helsinki with the boat? Uh, uh, it takes one night. One night, okay. Yeah, it always so starts where, by where night. So where would you end up then in Russia? In St. Petersburg. In St. Petersburg. Yeah, really oh, in the awesome. harbor that is in the city. Yes. Oh, about St. Petersburg, I have one more question. So I heard that it's the Silicon Valley of Russia. Is that kind of true? That a lot of engineers are there and a lot of uh, like uh, startups and so on? I cannot answer because I really don't know about the other cities. I don't know about Moscow. I can definitely say that uh, there are Google Plus groups about... Uh, um, well, I'm interested especially about Linux, for example, or uh, Python. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they have very vibrant uh, communities. They are meeting about uh, technology every month or every two months. Mm -hmm. They have conferences. Yes, they have really a lot of stuff. Then I cannot say if it's more or less than Moscow mm -hmm. or other cities. Yeah. Okay. I guess I because in the beginning I, I asked you if St. Petersburg is more Western oriented than the rest because I kind of most of the people from Russia I know are from St. Petersburg. Uh -huh. I know, don't know why. Katya, who, who works here, is from St. Petersburg. You live in St. Petersburg. I had a, a company contacting me about the bachelor's uh, uh, thesis I did. Uh -huh. They wanted to make it a, a product, basically. They were also from St. Petersburg. Uh -huh. So everything I hear, like IT-related and Russia-related, personally, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of always St. Petersburg and never something else. Then it might be that actually your assumption was correct, that it's kind of a technology hub or mm. a technology capital for Russia. That, that might be true. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, thanks a lot. It was super interesting. Uh, thanks to you. And uh, in a way they say, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> You're getting a, like a professional. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, see you soon. Next one is on the BBC tonight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye, thanks. <laughs>